Good morning, everyone. It is Wednesday, October 18th, 2017. Uh, it's Mike Lyon coming to you live with the Wicked Awesome Boston Sports Podcast. And for once, I hope you were not watching a Boston sports event last night. Specifically, I hope you were not watching the Celtics-Cavaliers opening night game uh, on, I think, TBS, TNT, whatever it was last night. And... I hope you were not watching, and, and the hope is has nothing to do with the final score of the game. The game was actually a pretty good one. The Celtics, the Cavs got out to a big lead. The Celtics came back, almost won the game on the road. They ended up losing by three. But that was not the concern of virtually anybody in the floor. If you were watching the game, you already know it. If you didn't see the game, you probably already know it as well. But Gordon Hayward suffered an absolutely gruesome leg injury last night. The Celtics have now announced that it was a, a fractured and dislocated ankle and a fractured tibia. If you saw the, the the live broadcast, I mean, the live broadcast showed the dislocation, and it was horrific. I, I can't... In Boston sports history, at least in my time of watching it, I, I honestly can't remember a, a more horrific one than that. Uh, or at least horrific looking. It was just awful to see. And, and Hayward, obviously, it, when, when Hayward saw it, he was mortified. The entire Cavs bench, I mean, what happened, you, you, if you kind of saw it, it happened, it happened right in front of the uh, the Cavaliers bench. And uh, the Cavs, I don't think, knew what happened at first. They knew he was screaming. But as soon as he, he kind of shifted around, and it, 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 the leg was pointing right toward the Cavs bench, and as soon as they saw it, you saw the reaction out of them. The entire Cavs bench was horrified as well. Um, and, and fans in the stands, I mean, it was just everybody knew what had happened. It was a lot like, unfortunately, the I don't know how much NCAA tournament stuff you guys watch, but Kevin Ware from Louisville was a, a backup guard a couple years ago. It might have been on the team that won the, the, the championship for Louisville a few years ago. Uh, had a, a very similar injury right in front of, I think, his own bench, and, the, and his own bench just went nuts and was just mortified at what happened. That's what this was last night, six minutes into his Celtics career. It was in the first quarter. You know, the, the game had barely even started. His Celtics career had barely even started, and he had to be stretchered off the floor, obviously, that the leg was immobilized. He was flown back to Boston almost immediately, um, it's unclear right now how much time he's going to miss. I mean, it was obviously a significant leg injury. He's going to miss a good deal of time, perhaps this entire season, maybe more, uh, maybe less, but that obviously is the least of our concerns. And, uh, you know, I don't want to go part and parcel over an injury, and I don't want to cover an injury too, too much, but it's impossible not to lead this story off, lead this show off with that story. Um, you just wish the best to Gordon Hayward, obviously. You know, you, you can't even comment on his Celtics career because this happened so fast. Um, it seems inappropriate to talk about who's going to replace him, but, you know, that's that's what we have to do going forward. The Celtics, obviously, are not the same team without him, without him healthy. Again, that's about the least of our concerns right now. The only concern we have is that Hayward get better, that the leg get fixed, and, and, and hopefully he, he has successful surgery to repair it. Um, there was some word, at least internally, that I saw on, on, on social media and, and some blogs and Twitter last night that 
the break was a, a, a relatively clean one. It didn't pierce the skin. It'll be, you know, quote unquote, easy to repair it. It'll be a, a fairly simple, they call it a reduction in medical terms to, to fix the, uh, fix the break. Not that that's any consolation to anybody. It's still going to be a significant recovery. Um, but you know, in terms of how much time he's going to miss, I don't know. And, and at this point I don't really care. I just want him to be better. That was a horrendous injury last night, just horrendous. And we wish the best to Hayward. Uh, if, if you didn't see it, don't go look for it unless you really want to be grossed out. The picture of him laying there with the ankle the way it was was just, it was horrifying. Horrifying is the only way I can put it. And so we wish the best to Gordon. Hope you get better. The Celtics won't be the same without you, even, you know, six minutes into your Celtics career. So even though it sounds awfully shallow and callous to, 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 to even ask this question in the wake of such a bad injury, you know, we, we've got to ask the question, where do the Celtics go from here? Well, I mean, they're, they're not the same team without Hayward. That's obvious. He, he was paid an awful lot of money, a max contract, to come here for a reason because the Celtics expected him to be such a significant part of their team. He obviously will not be for the foreseeable future. Uh, it creates a big opportunity for Jalen Brown, who was very good last night, by the way. Uh, I think he had a, a game-high 25, at least on the Celtics side. Uh, Kyrie played pretty well, got off to a slow start, not surprising in that building, uh, where he was not, not going to be, the, the crowd was amped last night for the Cavs, he was obviously the target of some boos, and was probably jittery playing in that stadium, he shrugged it off, had a pretty good second half, 22 points, handed out 10 assists, uh, Jason Tatum, interesting stat on Jason Tatum, you know, take this, take this for what you will, but he is the first Celtics rookie to get a double-double in his in his you know his debut his his season debut and his Celtics debut he had 14 points and 10 rebounds last night first Celtics rookie to do that since a guy by the name of Larry Bird so take that for what you will that's that's pretty lofty company um, it's obviously clearly way too early to anoint him as 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 any kind of a second coming but uh, with Hayward being out for the foreseeable future this becomes a big, big spot for Jason Tatum. He's going to, he's, he's the guy, essentially, that, that's, that's going to fill that role. I mean, Jalen and, 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 and Jason Tatum are going to be the two guys that are counted on more than anything. Uh, Marcus Smart did not have a good first half. I don't think he hit a shot. He had a better second half as the Celtics were clawing back into it. Um, but, you know, like I said, analysis of this game seems quite hollow right now. Uh, you know, I, I, I give the Celtics, quite frankly, an awful lot of credit for what they did. That was a a blow, to say the least, a, a massive blow to the team, and it affected. It seemed to affect them for a little bit. The Cavs opened up a pretty big lead, but the Celtics came all the way back in the second half and actually led the game with a couple minutes to go. They led the game by three with two minutes to go. Uh, LeBron and, and Kevin Love hit a few shots. I think a quick like 7-0 or 8-0 run to to put the Cavs out in front. They held it. On, they held on from there. No one really expected the Celtics to go in to Cleveland and win on opening night. I know I sure didn't. So a three-point loss, especially after a three-point loss on its own, even with a healthy Hayward, would not have been a problem. 
that would have been a completely acceptable result uh, and perhaps a moral victory. This is even more so after what happened. I don't think anybody would have blamed the Celtics for simply not wanting to be on the floor after that. And it was clear that they didn't want to be, but they, they hung in there. They got together. They pulled through in the second half and, and got a few buckets, got going. Give them an awful lot of credit for doing that, uh, for, for hanging in there against the East best team. So it's one game, and you know, it's, it's, it's ridiculous to overanalyze the Celtics after one game, and we're not going to do that. Let's get a few games under our belt first. Uh, I will give the Celtics, the coaches, and their players a ton of credit for hanging in there on the road in horrifyingly bad circumstances after what happened and coming back and really making a game out of that. You know, they, they've got heart. It's very clear after one game that they've got a ton of heart. It's very clear after one game that they're a tight team. Maybe they became tighter after what happened to Hayward. That wouldn't surprise me either. And, you know, you see one of your leaders go down, you want to band together for that guy. You know, if, if one of the big questions was, was how, how are these guys going to gel, it already appears that they've gelled pretty well. And, and, and maybe that injury brings them even closer together. I mean, you, again, you, you hate to give that analysis 12 hours after a, a terrible injury like that. But, you know, I, I, I think the Celtics, if, if night one is any indication, they might not have the star power that they did with Hayward going down, but they are going to fight like hell. And, and play together extremely well. So, you know, kudos to the Celtics for a pretty good effort in a loss in, in, in very trying circumstances, uh, and, and the season's underway. So with that somber note to the, the start of the podcast, let's shift gears. Let's talk Bruins for a little bit. And they now we're five games into the season on the Bruins. There's some injury news there, not nearly as bad as in Celtics land, but uh, this is a team that have gone two and three so far in their first five games, three of which were on the road. They just completed a three-game road swing that ended in, uh, started in Colorado, ended in Las Vegas. They hit Colorado, Arizona, and Vegas. They went one and two in those games after starting the season one and one. They lost in Colorado, so they got swept in a home and home to Colorado, beat Arizona, and lost to the expansion Vegas Golden Knights. Um, they're getting some offensive production out of the guys you would expect to get offensive production out of. Brad Marchand, three goals, six points so far. Pasternak, three goals, five points. Uh, so they're, they're, they're getting some production out of the superstars. That's not surprising. They need, you know, through, through, through the first five games, it's pretty obvious that the, 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 the struggles are what they were last year at least so far. They're not getting a ton of production out of the bottom of the lineup. Schaller does have a goal. I think Nash might have a goal, too. They're playing good defense, generally. Uh, you know, they, 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 they've been pretty good defensively. It did not help, I'm sure, confidence that, that Malcolm Subban is now the goaltender in Vegas that beat them 3-1 to one the other night. That probably wasn't great for morale. They'll get another chance at Vegas next week, by the way. Um, so they're 2-3 and three in the early going. Again, very early in the season. It does seem, however, that this is the same or, or a very similar Bruins team to what you had last year. You've got some punch up front. And oh, by the way, they've been without Patrice Bergeron for the entire year the, the entire year so far. Bergeron hasn't played yet. 
They thought he was going to play last weekend against Arizona. He did not. The thought is that he may go tomorrow night at home against Vancouver. Uh, we'll try to have some more information on that tomorrow on tomorrow's show to see whether or not he's going to be in there. Um, so they've been without their best player, their best two-way player so far. They've held it together okay. Um, they've been without David Backus. He started skating yesterday. They were without Tory Krug, although he came back relatively quick. They, they were without him in the preseason. He missed the first game, and then he came back. So uh, they, they have him now, and, and, and he's starting to finally kind of gel back into the team. Uh, he missed most of the preseason and, and, and didn't skate with a broken jaw. But, so he's finally back and starting to skate with the team as well. Uh, again, it's early on in the season. There's no need to overanalyze everything. It does seem like they're getting a bunch of production up front with the top couple of lines and very little of it down low with, with, the, with the bottom couple of lines. That's something that has plagued the Bruins for the past couple of years. Certainly plagued them last year. They, they, they have this year depth, or at least they think they have depth in the minor leagues. And those bottom two lines have been pretty good defensively, and that's not surprising. That is what was expected out of the third and fourth lines. You knew that they were going to throw their bodies around and, and, and be present uh, on that on, on you know on that end of the rink, obviously. But uh, they need to find somebody besides Brad, somebody besides Brad Marchand and David Pasternak, and when he gets back, Patrice Bergeron to do you know to, to to be some kind of an offensive threat here. Because I mean, you can't just roll two. You can't roll two lines out there who are no threats to score the puck, which is what they did last year. The one, uh, the one positive I will say is it is starting to kind of come together for the young guys who are already there. Jake DeBrusque does have two goals and four points. Andres Bjork finally got on the scoreboard in Arizona, his first NHL goal there. Charlie McAvoy has three assists, so you are getting some production out of the younger guys in, in the lineup. Again, Bjork and DeBrusque are up front. So, you know, you're, you're, all, you're talking about top two, you know, line, guys who are already on the top two lines. Uh, McAvoy is a top defensive parent, you know, th- top defenseman. So you are talking about the guys who you, who you expected to be productive, but it, at le- it, it is at least comforting that the young guys in the lineup are already producing. And the, you know the, the the top young guns, I guess I should say, are already producing. So, I mean, DeBrusque four points in five games. You'll take that. You'll you'll definitely take that. McAvoy three assists in five games. You'll take that. That's a pretty good. Uh, that, that's that, that 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 previews or portends a pretty good season for both of those guys. You'll take both of those outcomes any day. So, where, you know. Apologies for that. I had trouble with the microphone here. So where do they go from here? They actually, this is a pretty remarkable season's yeah, schedule stretch for the for, for the Bruins that, that starts tomorrow night. The Bruins will play their next four at the Garden, and they will play seven out of their next eight there. So the next four, uh, starting tomorrow night, Vancouver, they're also going to play San Jose, Vegas on the rebound, and I forget who the fourth team the first four. Then they play a quick road game in Columbus, and then they come back to Boston for three more games. So seven out of their next eight in Boston. Good chance to go check them out. 
Uh, they've they've got plenty of rest in that in that time frame too. They play they play like I said tomorrow night. They play again Saturday. Then they don't play again until next Thursday. It's almost like a Thanksgiving schedule, uh, but really early in the season. So, you know, we'll have to look at the schedule when it as the season goes on uh, to see if if, if they're going to kind of get screwed on the back end and, and, and get less rest as the, the legs get really tired. But uh, seven games out of eight at home coming up. So here's a chance for the Bruins to get some goals on the board, to get some points on the board. In, uh, in in home games where they were much better last season than they were on the road. No surprise there. It will give the home fans a real chance to, to, to check these guys out and see what they're made of. After, it seems like, you know, it seemed like a lot longer of a road trip to, than, than it actually was. It was only three games on the road that they just had. But it is what it is. I guess they're back now. Tomorrow night at home against Vancouver. Uh, no goaltender announced yet. You would expect that it's going to be Tuca. You would also expect that Hudobin will get at least one, if not two, starts in the next four. And certainly out of the next, you know, in, in, in seven out of the next eight games, with seven out of the next eight games being at home, I would hope that Tuca doesn't start any more than six of them. And even that might be too many. You know, again, you're, you're talking about Cassidy, who says he wants to get his backups back up some time so here's a really good opportunity to do it with with a ton of home games back to back to back to back uh, on the schedule so we'll see what happens tomorrow night at home against Vancouver first of a four game road uh, uh, homestand and seven out of eight in the next uh, seven out of the next eight at home as well for the Bruins it was otherwise a relatively slow news day and, and slow day for analysis. I will touch on the Red Sox managerial search for a second. There, uh, there have been two interviews already, at least that have been reported. One was of Alex Cora, uh, the, the Astros bench coach. Dombrowski interviewed him in New York on Sunday. Brad Osmus apparently also has received an interview, and they have asked permission to go interview Ron Gardenhire. Uh, all of these three guys were mentioned and were, were, were long mentioned as possible uh, candidates for the job immediately after Farrell was fired last week. And it has not taken the Red Sox long to start that search and start interviewing guys, not surprising there. Um, it is being reported in a few different areas that uh, Cora may be the favorite for this job. And... I'm telling you, that would be a great hire if the Red Sox, if that's actually true. I mean, if the Red, if the Red Sox got in there quick and identified that they wanted Alex Cora and, and made him their priority, I think Alex Cora would be a great hire. You know, he was a Red Sox himself for a long time on a team that won a World Series in 2007. He understands the city, how it works. He's young enough that he can relate to these young guys. Uh, the Houston players, by the way, love him. After he was mentioned as a candidate, for managerial jobs, more than one of them came out on Twitter and otherwise saying, we don't want the guy to go. We love him. We've learned a lot from him. So he gets the ringing endorsement, and A.J. Hinch gave him a ringing endorsement too, the manager over there, uh, of pretty much everybody in Houston. So I think Alex Cora would be a really good pick if it came down to that. Uh, we will not, you will not, if it is Cora, you will not hear a, a, a manager announced 
until Houston is knocked out of the playoffs or wins the World Series, one or the other. And it's now a 2-2 two to two series uh, against the Yankees after the Yankees staged a very big comeback last night and won and tied the, tied the series at 2-2. Two two. In the National League, 3-0 Dodgers. They can close out the series at Wrigley Field tonight with a win and get to the World Series. Therefore, that would be their first in about 30 years since 1988 when Kirk Gibson hit the home run. But uh, if it is Cora, like I said, you will not hear it for a while. And if you don't hear any news on that front for a little while, you can pretty much safely assume that it's going to be Alex Cora. Uh, it does sound like they want to give second interviews to both Cora and Osmus. That's probably bringing them back up, bringing them both up to Boston and uh, get, getting them to meet everybody. If they want to do that with Cora, they better do it quick. And, and their time to do it would be not tonight, but, but I guess tomorrow, which would be the scheduled off day in the, uh, the, the Yankees-Astros series. That would be Cora's first opportunity to come to Boston and meet with everybody. Osmus could do it anytime he wanted. But if you don't, if you continue not to hear anything and no announcements are made, uh, at least until this Yankees Astros series is done, if the Astros win the series and there's no no announcements made, then I think you can safely assume that Core is their guy and, and will will we'll get the job if he wants it. Uh, like I said, I, I like the hire. I thought he would he was going to be in more demand than he actually is. I thought he'd be a perfect fit for the Phillies, but apparently the Phillies either didn't want to go in that direction or saw that the Red Sox were going to pounce on him one or the other. Give Dombrowski credit. If, if, if Cora's the guy, he was going to be a hot name and he got in there first and possibly had scared other teams off. So um, either way, if it's if it's Cora or Osmus, I'm not as high on Garden hire, but uh, if it's Cora or Osmus, I don't think the Red Sox could really go wrong with that. I, I, I would like both picks. I would like Cora a lot. So um, we will see. Obviously, that's but that's that's where things stand. Um, by the way, to, to just to briefly touch on that that Astros Yankees series, I I said that if 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 you get into the Houston bullpen, then you can you can do damage to that team, and that's exactly what the Yankees did last night. That Houston bullpen is not that good. It's really not that good, and. The Yankees made them pay last night. They, they've got now they've got the bats that the Red Sox don't. I mean, they can they can drive a bunch of runs home very quickly and hit home runs and hit big flies, and that's what they did yesterday. They got a bunch of big hits and strung them together. Give the Yankees an awful lot of credit. They're a year ahead of schedule and they're two wins away from the World Series. So the Yankees aren't going anywhere in the next couple of years. Get used to a the, get get used to a lot of big Red Sox Yankees games because they are going to happen for years to come. So that's our abbreviated show for today. Uh, obviously not the most uplifting of shows after what happened at Gordon Hayward last night. Uh, we, we send our best along to the to the, to the Celtics guard. Uh, ho hopefully, or small forward, whatever you want to call him. Hopefully it's a quick recovery. I'm, I'm sure we'll know a little bit more uh, today about the injury itself and when he's going to be scheduled for surgery and so forth. But uh, our, best our best wishes to Gordon for a speedy recovery. And keep fighting to the Celtics team. They showed good fight last night. I hope they keep fighting even for him all season long. Um, but uh, a slow news day tomorrow. We will be back with uh, more Patriots injury news. Uh, we'll have an injury report and see where things are standing against the Falcons. That game Sunday at 8. Uh, it's the Sunday night game on NBC. So 8.15, 8.30, somewhere in there. Uh, we will also continue to talk... Bruins stuff. There won't be a ton going on. Everybody's off tonight. The Celtics off. The Bruins off. Uh, 
We'll cover any stories, obviously, that come up. For now, it is Wednesday, October 18th. Make it a great day. Have a good one. We will be back with you tomorrow. Goodbye, everybody.